You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Thank you. Well, it's great to be with you this morning. And just as we're getting started here, the ushers are going to come down the aisle with uh, some Bibles. And uh, if you don't have one for this morning, you're welcome to get their attention. Raise your hand and and, uh, they will get one to you. If you do not own one, uh, then... Uh, you can take that home with you. That's always great when the visiting pastor gives away free Bibles. Uh, that was the right idea, right? Okay, just okay, good. Okay, yeah, no, it's yeah, that that was the plan. So uh, feel free to avail yourself of that, and uh, we will be opening those pages to look, and we'll want to see it all together as we read from His Word, because it's not me that you've come to hear, but I thank the worship team this morning for for their their lead. And uh, they've taken us into the presence of the Lord. He is worthy. He is holy. Do you see him right now? He's actually right beside you. And he has this next little moment to add to what your experience has been of praise and enjoying him, to now enjoy him as his word is going to be opened up in front of you and you're going to have an opportunity to just be with him. And uh, I will lead you through the Word of God in ways that I believe He, he has prepared my heart for today. Well, we're, uh, we're still early into 2020. Hopefully nothing seriously bad has gone wrong for you so far. Uh, but there's always lots of non-unknowns ahead of us. Uh, or maybe you're still recovering from 2019. Um, for my wife, Luella, who's here with me as well, uh, 2019 was a challenging year. Um, we've been without ministry for the year. Uh, so what that means is... Uh, you're without income, which is a little bit of a challenge. Applied for EI, get this, after paying into it for 40 years, I was denied it. So that didn't help anything along the way. Um, but God has provided and proven faithful for the whole year. It's just amazing. Um, there's been what he has given to us. My wife teaches um, uh, some music lessons, so that helps along the way. But uh, and add to the challenge, halfway through the year, um, my health changed. Um, I came down with a thing called Stills disease, which uh, took away my physical abilities, so even to really to apply for work is not in the moment. Uh, each day I face a variety of pain, and we find out each morning as to what it is and how much it is and to what level. And so we have found that where God says His grace is sufficient for our needs, uh, He has been faithful again. Um, we have faced the questions of why, Uh, that each of us face, and I'm sure that you have the challenges that are going on in your life. And if you don't have them now, I'm sure you've either had them in the past or something's going to show up ahead of you as well. But as you look to 2020, um, I wanted this morning to be a message that brings you into seeing our Savior once again in the majesty and glory of who He is and power, and also seeing Him in such a way that gives an anticipation of the possibilities of what he has in store for you. The message, I hope, gives perspectives that will lead us to hope and to peace um, and anticipation. It gives us perspective for the storms of life. Um, The challenge is that I think sometimes in our hurriedness, we can get caught up where we get really focused on our world and all the things around us. We get our eyes off our Lord and we miss the bigger perspectives that he has for us. The question to sometimes keep in mind in all of life, what really matters to us? And we can get caught up in all kinds of things, lots of good things to enjoy. God has blessed us in North American ways that the rest of the world does not enjoy. 
but we even know of things about heaven and eternity. Um, but what matters to us, it should matter to, really, it, it should be because it matters to God. And Jesus and the kingdom, the people and righteousness. You see, we can have small losses, and you've had some of those in 2019. You've had some of those squabbles uh, where we get bent out of shape, right? Do you remember those details back from February right now? No. Do you, don't even remember, do you remember the ones from November or October? No. Because they really don't matter. And we get all bent out of shape on those things. Because what happens is we get into a place where, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? And what we need is a perspective that says, in those moments, what does God want? And we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and back on him. Now, there can be serious losses in which Jesus then has answers and consolation and comfort. And so with all of that, God is at, wants to be at work in our lives. He is relevant to our life and the ups and the downs that come along and those that challenge us. So this morning, I'd like to do a bit of a reset. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, my computer keeps kicking up this little sign, you need to reset, you need to reset. Shut down everything and reset. It's a little bit annoying at times, but I just keep passing it on to the next month, the next month, the next month, the next month. Anybody else do that as well? A couple of you, yeah, as well. And, uh, um, but with that, uh, the purpose of the reset is so that the computer runs much better. And that's the same thing for this morning. If we will take and do a bit of a reset as we look to God's word and let him reset some things in our perspective, um, I think we'll find that our life going forward will have a greater anticipation. I'd like us to look at a passage together this morning. It's in the book of Philippians, and it's in chapter 3. If you want to take your Bibles and open that, we're going to read from our, our Bibles there. Cha- Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through to 11. And uh, Paul is... is, is trying to give us perspective here and some pretty big things of which we'll, we'll unpack as we go along. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 11, and we read it as follows. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Verse 10 has just got a powerful bunch of things. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. You could probably go on and on with the context of these verses and and even build it from verse 1 all the way back and giving the context of it. Uh, But there's there's a lot as we're going to take a look at. Um, A lot of the... Where we start with is Paul has a, gives us some context, and, and really the, the context of verses 1 to 6, Paul's talking about who he is and his history. Because he says, I, I, I've sort of thrown aside, I've put aside, I count as rubbish, I've give, counted as loss the things of the past. And what he's referring to are the things in verses 1 to 6, which talks about his very successful Jewish context. He was a Jew of, a, of the Jews. He was a leader. He was a, a leader and um, education, position, religion, government. He had all those pieces in place. And he actually stepped away from it because of a calling of God, a transformation point. Like what moves him on? It was that moment where he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. 
and it changed everything. And I trust that you've had that moment in your life where it was that powerful, where you were going along in life, and you might have thought, I got everything all under control. Life is good. Life is wonderful. And then God came along and gets your attention and says, I have something for you. And then what unfolds is so amazing and life-transforming. You're okay with walking away with all those successes that we thought we had. And he actually gave them up. He says he counted them as rubbish. Um, we sometimes hold too much of our stuff too close to us from the world, uh, and it costs us perspective. I think if we think we've arrived in our careers and found places of position, pride can take over, and, and it suddenly gets our eyes off of God and gets eyes on ourselves. We may even have successes, and we have all kinds of things that we can enjoy, and we might have life that's nice, but the battle is on. The world always wants to come and pull us away from the things of God. And therefore, we need to watch that world stuff. Moth and rust will corrupt it. It'll change in styles. There'll be new models. I don't know about clothing and cars, but it's, everything comes around the corner. It's always new, right? And uh, we're tempted. We have to keep chasing that down. We have to battle covetousness when somebody else gets something new, and we would like that as well. Um, but some of that stuff we can get anxious over. In fact, sometimes if we own too much, we're anxious and how is it doing? Are we taking care of it? Is it making it through um, the, the year? Uh, and so we get our eyes off of Jesus and the kingdom and we get it back on stuff. And then what happens is that storms and temptations come and we get our eyes further off the Lord. We get more on that stuff. And how much do we think of God in those moments? And so maybe you've had a 2019 year where things have been all over the place. And maybe some of the things that I've said, because there's been a variety of things I've put in front of you, but the ones that where God's been touching your heart this morning, saying, yeah, you need to put some of that aside and take another look at me, Jesus. What I think is, is the, the next part is verse 8, is, is just the statement I think is just uh, amazing. It talks about the surpassing greatness that Christ sets our perspective. So in other words, if we see this surpassing greatness, there's something that... It puts other things into the shadows behind us. Um, I've been a Christian for 55 years, and so I've heard the Christmas story and the Easter story and the gospel and many verses over and over. As a pastor, I've studied them and I've preached them and I've taught them, but I still get excited about them. And I hope that you can open your Bible at any point in time and read any verse and any page and find the excitement that's within that. You may have read it before, but the truths are powerful. We're going to take a look at them because, see, it is those truths that if I get my eyes on Jesus, which I see him in the word, that's what helps me with Monday morning and getting things going. Are we excited about what we know about Jesus? He calls it the surpassing greatness. That's a big statement. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Well, we know him as the, through Scripture that he's the only way, which I find is interesting it's being debated as to whether or not Jesus is the only way. We understand the world is going to debate us on that. But what shocks me, in, as I've seen it in the church that I was even in, how many Christians are part of that debate? And they're not sure that Jesus is the only way. Um, 
The world has no idea of really who Jesus is, and the information they have on him is bad information. And so as a church, we are challenged. We need to take the gospel, we need to take the person of Jesus Christ, and make sure that our neighbors and friends and work associates know the truth about Jesus. Because if they don't get it from us, they will get bad information. But what happens is the world compares Jesus to the other religious leaders. And I'm thinking, like, as if there's any debate. If you really come down to what we know about Jesus, there's no question. I'd like to illustrate it this way. There's a picture I have here for, of an iceberg. Um, and as you can see, it, uh, uh, that's it on top of the water. And, and that's those, these mountains, they float around and they're very impressive with what goes on with them. But did you know that of the iceberg, only 90% 90, 90 of the iceberg is actually under the water, which I think is the next slide if we can bring that up. Look at the perspective there. Okay, The world has seen Jesus the man on earth. And we try to compare him with the other religious leaders. And we've missed the fact that there's another 90% about him as being God that, that they don't see, that is the reality. And that's what we have to talk to him about. Uh, even if we compare it on the surface, um, take the Sikh faith that is out there. I, I had a conversation with a, a, a fellow who was uh, in the Sikh faith, and he was sharing, I asked him, hey, tell me about it. I want to know exactly firsthand as to, to what it is that you believe. And a very short point of this is they have 10 leaders, 10 gurus, and it was interesting. He went on to explain, and he said these 10 gurus have 10 different qualities. And he says one is love, one is holy, one is sacrificial, dying for the people. Um, one is a great teacher. And I'm, I'm going down. He listed the 10 qualities. I thought, sounds like the 10 qualities of my Savior, Jesus. But they got them all in 10 different guys. The only problem is the guy who died wasn't the holy one. <laughs> so he cannot die for any sin but his own sin, if, even if he could begin to. It's not that these qualities in, in, in any way began to match our Savior's work. This, the holiness of these people is not because they were born through the virgin birth and therefore started holy. They, were, they sort of earned it by how they lived a good life. My Jesus from birth was perfect and holy. And with that, um, they compare on the surface. Um, but, but when you look at the fact that when Jesus, even his start with the virgin birth, brings him in a new way. And then the fact that he's, he's healing the people, the multitudes that are coming around, the sick and the, and the physical limitations. He's raising Lazarus and Jairus' daughter from the dead. He's doing miracles of calming the sea and turning water to wine. There's the death and the resurrection of himself three days after he has died. Uh, the rest of the world's religious leaders, they're in their graves. You can go find where they buried them and their, their bodies are still there. You cannot begin to care, compare on the surface our Jesus to any religious leader and think there's anything close. Now consider the other 90% that's under the surface. Our Jesus is the creator of the universe, of earth and heaven and man and animals. Um, he is the mighty angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. He didn't start on that first Christmas. Sometimes I think we even forget that part of it. No, he's been eternity past been living as part of the Trinity with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And there are times when you will read in your Bible and it says, and the angel of the Lord 
Well, sometimes that is an angel that has come from the Lord, and sometimes the angel of the Lord is actually referring to the person of Jesus. And so we're seeing the, the work of Jesus throughout the Old Testament in great power. We also know that when he came, he was known as Emmanuel, which was God with us in human form on earth. And so now, and then add to this, one day that he is the coming king of kings. In Revelation 19, if you want to look at that later today, Revelation 19, verses 11 to 16, one day we will see Jesus coming. If it's in our lifetime, that'd be, that'd be amazing. But there'll be a, there will be a group of people on this earth that are followers of Christ. There'll be a group of people who are not followers of Christ, and they will look to the sky. The Bible says they will see a rider on a white horse. And his eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns showing his, his authority and, and leadership. He has a name that only he knows. His robe is dipped in blood representing the great work of redemption for the world. And in his mouth a sharp sword which has the power to speak and strike down the armies of the world who will have gathered together at the battle of Armageddon. And as they come they're going to think, let's, let's deal with this Jesus that they're coming as they put all their efforts. And just with his speech... They're done away with. On his thigh is a name, a right identity, and it says that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Is this the Jesus that you think of when you go through your day? Creator, sustainer, ruler, coming king. You see, we, we know he's the only way. So well, now we see there is so much more in Jesus. That is why he is the only way. He is the truth. Of course, we have the word with this Bible, which is, is his expression, his teaching, his revelation for us. It talks about, amazing, about every aspect of life, on marriage, parenting, work, and relationships. Um, there's, there, he's, he's tried to give us that lead in our world that we can understand and follow. He's given us the cross and explained it in there for the forgiveness of the sins of the world and for us. And then he's talked about all that we have in Christ, things like in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, where he talks about how we are adopted as his children and redeemed. We see that he is, Jesus is the life. He is the sustainer of all things. Um, I think back to uh, 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35. It's a moment where the people of Israel are being surrounded by the Assyrian army who have put siege to Jerusalem. And the army is just waiting to come in and take over Israel. And so they have set up, and there's 185,000 soldiers of the Assyrian army that are all out there ready to do this. And with that, they go to sleep one night, think all is fine, they'll deal with Israel in the morning. And in the morning, as they say, they all woke up dead. <laughs> 185,000 Assyrian soldiers as they slept. Their life just stopped. There wasn't any swords flailing. There wasn't any great big fight or panic. God, either as the angel of the Lord, or through an angel of the Lord, just turned life off for them, and they were done. See, life is, is, is something that God sustains, and Christ is our sustainer. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6, says, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. In other words, if it wasn't for him, we would not be here. Acts 17, 28, 
For in him we live and move and exist. Hebrews 1.3, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the sustainer of all things. The reason why I'm going through all of this, which you might say, Pastor, I've heard about all these things. It's time to again take a look at it because we're told to fix our eyes on Jesus. And I want you to do that when life is challenged. That is what we found in our experience in this last year. When things were going different, we had no answers to our why questions. We just turned and we fixed our eyes on Jesus. And there's ways in which he gave answers. There's ways in which he gave directions. There may be big things in your life. There may be small things in your life. I think of when we were, uh, our kids were younger. We have four kids, but I remember those mornings when we were getting ready for church and you got them all ready to go. They're all looking really nice and they're two boys, two girls, the little girls in their dress and the boys in their nice clothes. And, and sure enough, just before we go out the door, one of the girls has got to just fill the diaper and it's so bad and it explodes out of the diaper and makes a mess of her dress. We are no longer going to be on time now. And so we have to go and clean this whole thing up. And in those moments, you're frustrated. Why did this need to happen right now? You have moments when that five-year-old is having a tantrum. It might be in the middle of the store aisle. You might have that moment where your teen is being difficult. Maybe you have those problems at work, or maybe you have finances that are tight, or the washer dies just when you needed that one outfit to get cleaned up because you needed that tonight or tomorrow. See, our life has big and small things that come along. And I think if we want to make it through, we need perspective. And if we keep our eyes on Jesus and, and the grandness of who he is, and we start to see things in light of that, it helps us. You see, in the stresses of doing life, Jesus, may you always hear this, these words from him. He says, I love you. He wants you to remember that. He says, I, you, I love you, and you matter to me. So in other words, when it's going sideways for you, it's not because he's forgotten you and doesn't care, and that has been huge for us. He says, don't worry or fear or be anxious. He says, because I know what you need, and I will provide. And God has been faithful. He says, I am with you. I will not forsake you. So in other words, because I'm with you and I'm not going to forsake you, he says, just be still and wait and see what's going to happen. You know, waiting is a tough thing. That is a tough thing for this guy right here. I'm a guy who likes to run at 100 miles an hour. And so to suddenly say, slow down and wait, you might as well put on, you know, flat tires on a racing car. It's just like I'm, I'm suddenly stopped. But in these moments, you come to see what he wants to show you. He says, ask for wisdom and I will give it freely. So stay close to him, but don't forget to listen. Pause long enough to listen. He says, and then out of all this and other problems, I know how to give good gifts. I won't give you a stone, I won't give you a snake, which is really good because I don't like snakes at all. I, I could pass on them. They could, they could be you know, the next thing that becomes extinct on this earth as far as I'm concerned. You see, if we see Jesus, and if we see all of this, then it becomes, the next thing, it becomes personal. And I like what he says here. I, the surpassing greatness of, of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Paul has no problem making Jesus his Lord when he sees the love and the promises, the provision, and, and the perspective of who he is in, in, in the grand picture that is there. And may you have that freedom to make sure that he's your Lord going forward in this year.
that you put him first and, and allow him to lead your life because that's where you're going to find his working and his promise is very real. In verse 9, we go on, we see the value of our righteousness life, a righteous life in Christ. Um, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but it says here it's a righteousness not from keeping the laws. I am so glad that that is not the case. If I had to keep a whole bunch of stuff, if you had to keep a whole bunch of stuff, I can tell you right now, we'd fail miserably at it. If you want to have an example of it, just look at the people of Israel through the Old Testament. You got like 4,000 years where they get it right, they get it wrong. They get it right, they get it wrong. And, and that's the challenge. If we try to do righteousness on our own, but he says, I've given you a righteousness that is by faith. And that is freeing. It is relaxing. Um, the fact that you and I are forgiven, we are clean. There is no guilt. There is no bondage. There are no burdens that, that we have to carry because he has, has cleaned our world. And we are sure of heaven and we are sure of our access to the Father to pray. And with all of that, not only are we, are we good with it, but our soul is at peace. And so if we're going into a year and we want to know how things are going to be, if our eyes are on Christ and we know that we're connected with him and our hearts are right through faith, then we are at peace. But in verse 10 is, is where I think is, is now we turn the corner. Realize the possibilities with Jesus real in our lives. And consider the possibilities that are here. And now he says there, I want to know Christ. Now that at the same time, he sort of talked about it at the top. I believe at the top, he's re in the previous verse we looked at, he's talking about the reality of just all the details of God, theologically, and, and knowing the, great that the greatness that just surpasses when you consider all aspects of him. But in this case, he's talking about, I want to know Christ, and I believe this is personally. That Jesus is real in my experience. He is, he is not just a theological idea. That Jesus is in me. That Jesus is with me. I am not alone and that I have hope on each day. And when you have that perspective, the possibilities are I'm, not, I'm able to go and I don't know what's going to come and change in my world. That's why God says, don't worry about tomorrow, just take care of today. Today has enough stuff of its own, but, but with that, we'll take care of tomorrow when we get there because I'm going to be with you tomorrow as well, but I'm with you today also. But to know him in that way, and to know him that way, it's like any other relationship. You just have to spend time with him. And you've done that this morning. And you'll do it next week when you come here again. But you're doing the time with him in between the Sundays when you open your Bibles and have your devotions. And just read from the scriptures or read a devotional book that turns your hearts towards the Lord. The second thing he says is to know the power of his resurrection. Uh, of Christ working in and through me. Um, this is the part that, that really inspires me. And, and, and what could happen in the life of a church if the reality of this kicked it up a notch? What is the power of his resurrection? It's the power that brought Christ back from the dead. And I think sometimes we think that happened and that was done. But this is giving us this glimmer of the possibilities that the same power of the resurrection can be at work in our lives. That's powerful. That's life transformation. It's taking dead things and bringing them to life. Bible talks about we get new life in Christ where he's changing me. And the Holy Spirit's fruit is growing in me. It, it's, it's something like that. And it's, and it's not only that, but then the gifting of the Spirit comes along. And basically, he wants to work now not only in us and where we feel that and we see his transformation. 
You know, from where you started 2019, where you ended 2019, what did God do in your world by the power of the resurrection that transformed your world? If it's nothing, you get another shot at it, Lord willing, that we get all of 2020. Could you think of the possibilities of what he could do different in your world? But what about if he wants to touch the lives of other people around you? Have you ever thought, like sometimes we say, Pastor, I got a friend, and so can I bring him to you? Because you need to talk to him, you need to pray for him. And, and as a pastor, there was a time period I said, no, uh, I, what I, yes, I would, I'd be glad to do that. But, but I said, why don't you talk to him first? And here's the Bible, and here's what the issue is, and you walk him through it. Because the same spirit that lives in a pastor lives in you. And with that, you, could, you can be that life transformation moment and, and you get the joy of sitting there and sharing the gospel and sharing the word of God and seeing what changes in, in, in their life. That we may know Christ and excitedly feel him. That we would see the power of his resurrection doing things through us. If you have a whole hum life, kick this into gear. You will never be bored ever again. The third thing is, ready to share in his sufferings. Wait a second. Sufferings does not sound like a good idea, okay? We've had our share of it the last year. We could turn it off right now. Some of it's going to continue. But Paul took it, and he served, and he was okay with it because it was for a greater purpose. Now, he suffered a lot because it was for his faith. Do you suffer for your faith? They says they hated Jesus and they will hate us off also. John 15, 18 to 20. There's a verse there that I think is going to come up for you. Uh, John 15, 18 to 20. Or maybe not. In many ways, it talks about that they hated Jesus and they're going to hate us also. <laughs> um, so don't be surprised of that. In fact, in, in Luke 6 and verse 26, it says, It's not good if everyone speaks well of you. If you are the nice guy with everybody then you're probably not reflecting Jesus enough. There needs to be something about your world that brings him forward that sort of puts light in the face of their darkness and they don't like that. We need to live and serve for the kingdom and in the process, suffering will come. And Paul was okay with that. And we should be okay with that too. Because the enemy does not want us to go forward with the gospel. And with that, he wants to shut us down. But be prepared to take up your cross and follow. And what I, what I like about this, he wants us to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. And that fellowship part is that when you're going to be suffering, the fellowship is, is a social thing. It's, it's going to be Christ with you. Not, Christ isn't going to just put you out there and hang you to dry. You may deal with some suffering, but he's going to be in that moment. There will be the fellowship. You're going to understand. He's going to be alongside you as you go along. In 1 Peter 2 and 20, he says, If you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. 1 Peter 5 and verse 10 says, After you have suffered a little, for a little while, the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. And basically, these are messages of hope. But then he says, not only are you going to you know, fellowship in the suffering, it's going to be like him in his death. So oh, this is great. We're going from suffering to death now. But notice it says, like him, not actually 
dying. Now, some places in the world that does come up and people are called to die for their faith, and that may change in Canada for us at some point in time as well. But the greater peace in the sense of like him is the submission that we are willing to die to the things of this world and to give up the things of the world. Galatians 2 and verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. If you've been baptized, the whole message of that is, as we go under the water, we are dying to the world, being raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And we're saying, this stuff around me, it's okay. I count it as rubbish. I count it as lost, just as Paul did. And we die to the stuff of the world. And then the last one that he talks about at the end of that, verse 10, is looking forward to your day of, of resurrection. Paul has, of course, spoken on this in 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 57. He talks about the rapture moment when, when Christ is coming back. But that, have you ever thought of the day of your resurrection? Uh, potentially, if, God does, if Christ doesn't come back for some time, uh, all of us may have, as the Bible says, it's a point unto man once to die and then the judgment. And so all of us at some point may die, hopefully, you know, age 105 or whatever that is down the way, uh, by God's grace, um, and you're buried. But are you looking forward to your day of resurrection? Paul was looking forward to his day of resurrection. The, glory, the glorious hope of the church, where everyone of faith will finally come together, followed by heaven and eternity. I think sometimes we don't think much about eternity in heaven. And I think we need to keep that picture of looking forward to the day of resurrection because the day of resurrection is also the day of Christ's return and when basically his kingdom is going to be set up and everything that, that God's been working for through the whole of the Bible and time is now going to be realized. Just to give you a little bit of fun and a picture of some things here, um, uh, I'd like to talk about uh, Winnipeg. Uh, anybody from Winnipeg? That's a few of you. Yeah, yeah. It's a. We've, I've been there a few times, and I've been there in the the summertime when the the mosquitoes were were really rampant. And um, I don't think I've been there in the winter time, but uh, it is one of those places where uh, they're known for those kind of things. But I'd like to put in a more positive picture on Winnipeg this morning. Um, did you know that there are a lot of cities in our world that are very big, and 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 they are. Uh, if you saw on a map, you'd see a little circle like Tokyo and Chicago and, and Vancouver and, and you think, okay, that city is really huge, but it's just a little blip on the map, right? Okay. Well, the Bible talks about the new Jerusalem, the new city of God. And it talks about the size of it in stadias. It's so many stadias wide and so many deep and so many high. And we don't use those for measuring today. But here's perspective, if you would. It says that the front wall and the back wall are the same length. So if we can go to the map of, of uh, Canada, okay, that black box is the parameter of the New Jerusalem. That's huge. You could put, you know, Tokyo, Chicago, and all in that bottom left-hand corner and hardly notice the blackness change, right? But that is the one wall of the, of the city of Jerusalem, the second wall. And you know what it says? It's as tall as it is wide. 
It's a cube. And that's the city of gold. And that's the city where all of us are going to get to some point in time. It is going to be massive. Can you see putting that on this earth right now? It'd be like this massive appendage hanging off. I don't know if you've ever taken a beach ball and stuck some sand on the side and then thrown that it wobbles because it's just all out of balance. If you put the new Jerusalem on this earth it'd be, it'd be, and then try to rotate it, it'd be a, ma- a mess just moving around or whatever. But there's going to be a new earth. Who knows how big that's going to be? And it says there's three gates on either side of it, and, you, and those gates are never closed so you, because it's safe. And you can go out and into those, and you can explore the new earth. Are you looking forward to that context? There's so much more in the book of Revelation and places like that where you can just read about it. But think of it this way. Uh, Are you looking forward to your day of resurrection when Christ comes down with all the saints from the past and we're put together and we get to meet and end up in the city together and all those Bible characters are going to be there? I am looking forward to going and talking to Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and all those kind of people and just having a conversation with them. I'm probably going to get in the lineup. It's going to take like the first half of the millennium to get caught up with them because there's going to be a billion people. But nevertheless, I'm going to get in line and take my number. Of course, the greatest piece we're going to see when we get there is Jesus and our God. And we won't have to hide our faces. We'll freely come into his presence and enjoy him. You see, when we start getting a picture of these things that are to come, and when we see that we can go through a whole year of 2019 and can't remember the problems which are so big on one day that it caused a conflict between you and somebody else. When Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, the light and momentary afflictions, they're nothing compared to eternity. So you see, perspective puts things that sometimes get us all bent out of shape or worrying or we're not sure how we're going to make it through with our struggle. And we start to get our eyes on Jesus who's amazing says, I'm promised I'm going to be with you through this and I've got so much more set up for you. You will find hope and peace and assurance for your day in the middle of your trials. Now what can happen is we can get so focused on heaven sometimes, as it's been said, we're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. So we've got to keep that in balance. But I think sometimes our problem today is we are so earthly minded, we are no heavenly good. We get so caught up with the stuff around us, either the good things that God's blessed us with or the bad things that are challenging us, that we forget the eternal things that God has in mind for us. And so with that, as in sort of trying to wrap it up here, how do we keep balance? Do we now bring a whole bunch of extra stuff into our life which we have no room for? Well, I've tried to put it through together in a picture like this, and it came from a book, actually, an issue called uh, Balancing Life's Demands. But um, I've got a couple of pictures of first circle. And with that picture of the circle... Um, those are general responsibilities of life. We've got kids and spouse and church and neighbors and work and school, extended family, our general health, some things of recreation. And, and that's part of our life. And we might have Jesus and God in the center of that life. And we sort of, we, he's almost like his own little section and we don't really, really let him tie much in, but he sort of touches in a little bit. But may I encourage you to live your life like this second circle. 
whereby you don't expand the outside of what you have responsibility. But now you look at all those things in your life through Jesus. So when it's a challenge with work, when it's a challenge with school, when it's a challenge with your kids or with your spouse, that basically you now look through Jesus and you look through the perspective of the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of things of God. And you're getting that perspective and suddenly your heart and your mind goes, okay, it's going to be fine because Jesus is with me. And with that perspective, I know I can apply the promises that he has said because he's going to be right there. As long as I don't leave him behind, we will go forward together. So it doesn't mean adding more to our life. It just means making him part of all our parts of life. Seeing your ch children through Jesus. Kid, parents, do you know what your kids know about the Bible? Do, they know, do you know what they know about the gospel? If, if they haven't already accepted Jesus, let them know about it. They might someday come back and surprise us. You know what you told me about a month and a half ago? Well, I prayed that last night. See, for 2020, we don't need to be anxious. But we can anticipate the good of whether God blesses us richly or whether he takes us through the valley that he will provide and be there for us. Well, we need to see what matters to God, and that's the kingdom, and that's people, and that's perspective. He says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what this whole blue section in the middle of this circle is. If we're going to put the kingdom of God first and seek it first, he says, then all these other things are going to be taken care of. It seemed very simplistic. There's more I could explain on that. If you want to come and talk to me afterwards, I, I can. But that's, that's where God puts it. So putting it this way, to have perspective and to see the possibilities, you need to once again refocus your eyes on Jesus and see him in all his glory and majesty and his holiness and his worthiness that we sang about this morning. And, again, and may this picture just overwhelm you so that even if someone comes along and says, well, what are they compared to this religious leader? It's like, they oh, Hands down, you, you can't be, then what you need is you need to dump on them. Say, okay, here's my Jesus. Can I tell you everything about him? And, you know, first of all, let them explain their leader. And they'll be like, bane, 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 bane. and then you come along and say, here's, let me tell you about Jesus. And after that, 25 minutes goes by. And say, so how's that comparison working for you? Perspective will give us peace and hope for ultimately what God wants to do through you. And in the power of the resurrection, consider the possibilities of what God could do to transform lives through you if you will just see him and give him the chance. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness to us in so many ways. And we thank you for your word that you've given so that we would, we would understand more about you. It's a revelation you want us to get it. You don't want to keep it as a mystery. You want us to be informed. And with that, we ask that you, this morning, that you, uh, for these are your dear people, that whatever they are facing and dealing with, that you will look to lift them and carry them. That something out of what was said this morning, your Holy Spirit will bring forward to them. That they will see new perspective. And that they will see the possibilities of Jesus living through them. And in it, May you receive the honor and the glory and may the world look on 
and be amazed at who our Jesus is in no comparison to those other leaders that are deceivers. We ask for your working in Jesus' name. Amen.